Hey y'all, this is Black Crew Call, and I'm your host, Kay Montgomery. Director of Photography Todd A. Dos-Reese is our guest today. He'll tell us about his work on the summer blockbuster, The Blackening. It's a horror comedy with an all-black cast that's in theaters right now. He'll talk about his start DPing in music videos and how that helped land him on an Emmy Award-winning TV show that ran for years. And he'll also blow our mind and tell us about how he thinks any time spent on set is more valuable than a degree from a fancy film school. So we'd like to welcome Todd to the show today. Welcome, Todd. Thanks, Kay. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so just to start out, um, I'd just like to give an overview because with Black Crew Call, you know, we're people on all different um, understandings. Some of us are just coming into the industry. Some of us are outside of the industry and looking at getting in. So can you tell us a little bit about your position as director of photography? Um, I am a director of photography, also called cinematographer. Um, I work with, depending on film or television, I work with the director in film and in television. And in television, episodic, you work with a showrunner to get their vision on the screen. So we take the script, we break it down, we say what we want it to look like, how it should feel to people. And we get the vision on the screen through their vision, not my vision. I help them get their vision on the screen. Okay. That's awesome. Makes a lot of sense. So um, I think I have here that you went to USC. Is that correct? That is correct. I went to uh, University of Southern California all the way from uh, Massachusetts. I am um, even going further back. My my ancestry is... Uh, my family is from the Cape Verde Islands, which are islands off the west coast of Africa, off of Senegal, to be specific. They used to be a colony of Portugal. Um, and my my whole, uh, like, f- my four great-great-grandparents, three, wait, great-great-great-grandparents <laughs> came from the Cape Verde Islands straight to New England, where there's a large community of Cape Verdeans. They came, at the, like, around the same time because we were good at whaling and we were good at fishing. So they all, it was a big, mad rush to get to the, to the States. Um, so that's where my family's from, New Bedford. And from New Bedford, I went to uh, the University of Southern California to study film. I didn't know I wanted to be a cinematographer until I got there. I just knew I loved film. I, I'd been sneaking into movies at eight years old. And uh, I was a big film fan. Like, I came up during the exploitation times. Oh, yeah. Um, and Bruce Lee films. Mm-hmm. So I, I was just in love with film and I knew I wanted to study it. I just didn't know I wanted to be a cinematographer until I got to the, the film school at USC. Wow, that's so interesting. So did you have a background in photography? Did you just have an eye for it? Um, I, I, I just loved watching visual things mm-hmm. and I was the only child. So maybe that had something to do with it. I was, you know, I'd sit in a movie theater by myself or I'd watch TV by myself. Um, but I just love the storytelling of film. And maybe it was my grandparents who bought me my first 35 millimeter still camera. Oh, wow. And, and that led me to taking pictures and developing still photography. And then when I got to my high school, we had a black and white film lab, still photography lab. And I continued there. In addition to that, my high school also had a, a TV studio. And oh, wow. I would... I was literally there. That was my study hall. 
I was there <laughs> whenever I had a break. I was studying or whatever. I was in the I was in the the TV lab. So, so I guess that led me to USC Film School. But I mean, I don't I don't know if it, it was in me or my grandparents giving me that camera made made a difference. But that's that's uh, how it all happened. That is so interesting. So. Yeah, I, I, I oftentimes ask people, can you see a through line? So that's a that's a really sh- for sure, for sure through line. You were doing so many things in high school. So then it just led you to USC, which is interesting. I think a lot of people who listen to our podcast have the same experience in that they know they want to be in film, but they don't know exactly where they fit in. They go like, I feel like this is my place but like exactly where because we know behind the the scenes behind the camera there are so many positions so can you talk to us a little bit about how you realized or settled in on um cinematography um i think i think it was because usc at the time had so many people there that wanted to direct because i mean we're we're our buildings are named after spielberg and george lucas you know they wanted to direct and I felt like I had a, a visual advantage on them because I had taken so many stills in my upbringing um, and ran the, the TV studio in my high school. So I was always filming, like, and I played basketball, so I was always filming sports. Um, I felt when I went to USC, I saw all these directors. I was like, maybe maybe it's cinematography is what I want to do. I, mean, I always love the way light falls on a room. Um, I would always study stuff like that, really nerdy things like that. Um, and I just, I just saw the numbers. It was, it was an easy decision for me once I got to USC. Like I said, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I got there. I knew I wanted to study film. I just didn't know what, how, what I was going to do. But I kind of just fell into the cinematography thing. And there were so many directors there that was, it was kind of easy. Interesting. So can you think back to some of your first um, jobs or gigs as a cinematographer and just kind of how you approached it being a newcomer? Um, well, when, when you're at USC at the time was the number one film school in the country. So for me, I thought once I got out of USC film school, I just start working as a cinematographer. It doesn't happen like that. (laughs) I mean, it can happen like that. If you have the right connections, I just didn't have the right connections and know the right people. So I started working as a production assistant right away. And at the same time, I would shoot every opportunity I had. So I would shoot music videos or short films or documentaries, anything, any chance I could get my hand on a camera and lights, I would take that. Um, but uh, just, uh, I, I lost my train of thought, but um just begin when you were no 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 you were you were giving great a great answer just in the like in the beginning stages you were saying you oh. would just take any job you could get because I was asking how was that first job and kind of you know how did you well, approach it yeah. um, I mean I, I luckily I I think I think because I went to USC film I had a good base mm-hmm. so I knew what how lighting worked and how cameras worked and I knew what looked good and I knew how to um, like I said take what a director wants and make visuals out of the words gotcha. so I literally just would take any music video I did I was at in the 80s I was probably known as the king of the $80,000 music video because that's all the budgets I had it was like nothing else like Wait, the bigger ones no I would, artists I want to see if I recognize any of these artists. you <laughs> you will not know many of the artists well let me let me go with the big ones let's see uh well the big ones 
Uh, I didn't do a lot of big ones. Like I said, I was the king of the eighty thousand dollars. I did a I did a Smokey Robinson one. I did a alcohol. I know, but he he was not into music videos at the time. I mean, he was probably a little older, and he just did. I don't know why he was doing music videos, but he wanted to do it. And we we shot at his house. It was like you know stuff like that, crazy stuff like that. And yeah, I won't even tell you what what, (laughs) the stuff in the video, but it was hilarious. there are a lot of rap groups, uh, Alcoholics. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, 95 Boys, was it? They were from, oh. was oh. it 95 Boys? You saying 69 yeah. Boys and 95 South. I know exactly. Because they, yeah. they used to yeah. do the Tootsie Roll. Tootsie oh, Roll. Wait, yeah. did you do Tootsie Roll? Stop playing with me, no. Todd. I didn't do that one. It okay, was, it listen. Was <laughs> Those are legends. Those are groups we know. Listen, if you know 80s, 90s hip hop as I do and am a fan, I know everybody you're talking about. So I'm really I'm I'm very excited about the whole thing. Um, so I think <laughs> you're making a good point in saying you went to film school, the top film school. Right. But when you came out, you weren't like, oh, I'm going to wait, you know, till I get a big movie and blah, blah, blah. Like you were like, I want to shoot. So give me the music video. Give me the commercial. Give me the documentary. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, at the time, music videos were were huge because mm-hmm. you know MTV and BET and um, VH1 had their own show, um, but it was everybody was doing music videos. But in addition to that, in addition to shooting the music videos, I was also working my way up in the camera department in the camera union, okay. the IATSE uh, Local Six Hundred in uh, LA union. Mm-hmm. So I would literally work on a big movie with as a camera assistant with Russell Carpenter who won the Academy Award for Titanic and also shot Avatar most recently, Avatar 2. Um, And then on the weekends, I'm shooting a music video. I'm flying to Orlando to do, you tell me the group because I already forgot it, 95. So So tell me why, why, why did you think, so was that important for your development? What did that do for you to be able to not just say, I'm going to do, I, hey, I mean, because some people will be like, hey, listen, you already made it into the union. You're, you know, part of the camera crew, which is a huge position in itself. Um, so why are you flying out and doing music videos on the side, um, you know, during your spare time, your free time? Well, I know I wanted to be a DP and mm-hmm. I knew that was the way to get there is to shoot as much as I could. Mm-hmm. But I also needed the union to get my health benefits and pension and you know, bigger paydays. But in addition, more importantly the, than the money in the union was watching other DPs. Because mm-hmm. coming out of film school, you don't really watch other DPs. You watch other students. But uh-huh. this is a chance for you to watch other DPs and learn other things that you didn't learn in film school. You literally learn more working on the set than you do at any film school. I'll, I'll take Bets on that with anybody that's done film school and also works in the industry. Wow, Ty, I feel like that's a gem. Let's just pause on that for a second. Let's just have you repeat. (laughs) So you will learn, no matter what film school you go to, you will learn so much more working on a professional set than you do at your film school. Take what you have at your film school. It's going to be great. It's a good Mm -hmm. foundation, a good base, good history of film. But you're going to learn the what to do and what not to do on the set. You're going to learn how to be a professional on the set. Mm. So take that with a grain of salt. No, I think that's really important. And I also think the idea that you said, you know, 
when you were on sets, you might not you might not have been DP on those sets. You work in camera, but you got to see a DP work. And in school, you didn't get to see a DP work. You just got to see other kids work, other students work. That's that's really important. That idea of seeing somebody do the work. Yeah, I think that's really valuable. What a good yeah, that's an excellent point. And I was really lucky because I started out literally as a PA on this Russell Carpenter film. I went from a production assistant to what used to be called a loader, which was loading film, actual film stock <laughs> in a magazine that goes into the camera. Wow. So I, I did production assistant loader to second AC all in one job. So wow. I did three positions on one job. This was in the non-union days. but. Um, I learned so much in that that short one period of time that that led me to the next job and the next job and the next job. And I worked my way up from camera assistant. I mean, loader, second assistant, first assistant, camera operator, director of photography, full-time director of photography. So, I mean, it's it's a ladder. Some people go straight from film school to DPing, which is mm -hmm. great. And But I would have loved to have done that, but I wouldn't have seen other DPs mm -hmm. that I've worked with on the way up. Mm -hmm. No, that's a good point. I'm glad that you went through that ladder for us too, because I don't think um, we're really familiar with that or know that. So that's really important. So, so now is, it's a, now it's a little example. different. Sorry. Now it's a little different. It's, it's a pretty much the same thing, but instead of film, you're working with digital. So you have digital, digital loaders. You have also, there's also another uh, step, not a step, but a different, uh, position called the DIT, Digital Imaging Technician, mm -hmm. which is almost my right-hand person that does the color color correcting on the set for me oh. um, while I'm shooting. So it's like back in the day, uh, films, film days, you would have to shoot the film. Then the next day you go to the lab and mm -hmm. look at what's called dailies. Yeah. Now you're looking at dailies on the set. There's no going the next day to look at them. You're looking at them. You're going to see them what they look like right now which is a, a big plus for digital, but they, you know, they, you still have the digital loader. You have the second AC, you have the first AC, you have the camera operator and the director of photography. Interesting. So the DIT is on set doing things in real time. Yes. If you have the right budget, sometimes you don't and you have mm -hmm. to do it without, but luckily I've been on enough TV shows and a, a movie that we'll talk about later that I have my digital imaging technician with me all the time. Wow. That's really interesting. So um, I hadn't gone over. I wanted to go over a couple of projects that you've worked on, which are, you know, legendary projects that I'm sure everybody's heard of. Entourage for one. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I mean, these are award winning shows. And then um, David Makes Man, which I think was probably really popular with our audience here at Black Crew Call. Um, so I, I hated to ask people what's your favorite. I mean, because these I've just gone with a few highlights. I know you've worked on a ton of different things. Um, but just thinking about your experiences as a DP, I don't want to say what was your favorite. But can you can you think of a situation that maybe stood out to you where um, you were able you felt like, oh, I really translated the vision of what was communicated to me and. You just really enjoyed that and loved the visual that came after. I could talk about each show you talked about, <laughs> <laughs> but this will be an hour long episode. Um, I would think, uh, let's start with that one there. 
crazy ex-girlfriend. Okay, okay. Yeah, I saw that. I see the heart in the corner. I'm like, what is he? What is he? Uh, crazy ex-girlfriend was was like one of the first TV shows where they looked at my website and said, hey, we need to have this person shoot the show. Oh, wow. Because on Entourage, I started as the camera operator. I mean, I go all the way back to the pilot of Entourage. Mm -hmm. And I worked my way during the seasons and, you know, finally got a full season of Entourage. I think season five of Entourage, I shot one. Season two of Entourage, I shot two episodes. And then they finally let me take over the show and shoot episode uh, season seven and eight. So I was already there. So they were like, well, he's paid his dues. Let's let him DP. But with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, they looked at my website and saw, oh, he has a lot of music videos. And if for, for the, your people that haven't seen Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was about a, a woman that leaves her job and goes to find, follow her childhood boyfriend across country to try to make you know, him fall in love with her. Um, but in the hour-long episode, each hour-long episode, we had three to four music videos in the story. So interwoven in the story, you have these separate music videos from everything else. It's like it, 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 it brings the, the storyline, you know, it follows the storyline so that you're following the story with the music videos. But there were four, three or four music videos in every episode. So it was a fantastic show for me to be on. Um, and it was my base. It was like, that's what I did for like years. I shot music videos. So it was like trying to find a look, three different looks or four different looks for an episode was fantastic. Because a lot of times in episodic television, you do the same sets, you know, if it's a cop show, you're at the police station, you're at a crime scene, you're at the, the chief of police's house and detective's house, you know, and the courtroom. But in, in, in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, we had our normal sets. We had, a, we had a law office and we had her house. But then you had three music videos in there. So it was a fantastic opportunity. And I, I love doing that. That's such oh, a good I, point. Because I think we all like the visuals on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend were insane because of those music video setups. And people would be like, it's like a musical. But I'm like, it's more than a music musical because like you said, it's a music video every time. And it was very specific. You guys would be doing different eras. What I watched it once and it was like 50s pinup. Like I was just like, it is it was insane. Yeah. So that's so interesting. Thank you for sharing each one of the uh, each one of those. Did you have an uh -huh. experience like that on the blackening on the new movie that you have coming out? Yes, uh, the blackening, uh, which opens June sixteenth. Uh, I had a great time because I, I worked with a, a longtime collaborator and a longtime friend, Tim Story, who was the director. We both went to USC. He came after me, but we we started working together after after USC, and we had done a number of pilots. And uh, he called me to come do the blackening, which I typically, I'm not a big horror person. I mean, I've seen The Exorcist. I've seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Friday the 13th, I grew up with Halloween. But I would, if you asked me, you're going to do a, uh, a, a horror movie. I was like, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> There's no way I'm doing a horror movie because I don't go see them. It's like, it's, I, I'm not interested. But it, Tim called me with a mayonnaise commercial. I would do it. I love working with Tim so much. He's, <laughs> Man, he's, commercial. I love he's an incredible collaborator. He, he's so uh, great with actors. 
he's so great with like making changes and diverting scripts to make it work for the set. Um, it's a dream come true to work with with Tim. So I was like, okay, when do we start? You know, he called me for the for the show. I was like, let's do it. And uh, we had a crazy twenty day schedule to do a, a feature. Wow. wow. And uh, very little money, but it was it was a fantastic uh, uh, show. I mean, we had a great time. The actors were in, insanely funny. All of them, like not all of them, were comedic actors, mm-hmm. but they were all funny. And I attribute that to like Tim's talent of getting, you know, people to do what they're not used to doing. And it was, it was fun. It was great. Yeah. We can tell that from the trailer. It's just, the trailer had me cracking up. I was like, oh, I can't imagine this movie because the trailer is hilarious. And I feel the same way about horror. I'm generally not interested in horror, but just the premise of it. This is all these black people up here. Like, who's going to die first? Because everybody's black. Like, that whole, it's just such a funny premise. And I'm, uh, yeah, I just thought the trailer on it was hilarious. Um, so you're just talking a little bit about being able to translate the vision. Of course, I mean, you had a 20-day shoot, so you have to be able to work fast and be efficient. What other qualities you think are really important um, to be successful as a cinematographer? Um, you have to be a great listener. Mm. Because a lot of times directors or television showrunners don't know how to translate what they want into pictures they just give you words and words and words and you have to know what they're talking about and how that what that means visually um a lot of times they'll give you references like um here's a reference for a film i want it to look like this but you need to be more specific with things like that you need to be like Mm -hmm. okay certain scenes would work but what about the rest of the film so you have to be a great listener you have to be a great communicator so that you can tell them so if you want it to look like this, I'm going to do this to, you know, to brighten the room or make it not so contrasty. And in and, and the blackening, it was the opposite. It was like, we, we can't see the monster, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we have to make it dark, but you have to see the comedy. So it was things like that, that you have to communicate with the director. And luckily, Tim is a great uh, communicator. Um, also, to be a, a, a great cinematographer, for it, you have to have speed your process of where the camera goes how the light works with the camera how the actors are going to choreograph the scene you have to be able to work fast if your process is too slow you'll never make a day i mean we our average day is still 12 hours a day now mm-hmm. i mean it, it they're wow. trying to cut that down a little bit like the last television show i did they were trying to um, make it a little like 11 hour days, which is still long, but our normal day is 12 hours. But if you can't process how to break down a scene and what your shots are going to be after you've seen the master shot, you're not going to make the day. So you have to process faster and just the numbers have to compute. Like in the matrix where you see all the numbers going down, it has to be fast. It has to be fast. So do you just gain that with practice? Like how do you, how do you gain that speed? Uh, practice, working, never turning down a job, always, even if you're not getting paid, like I always tell my daughter this, like you have to love what you do. Like t- take a job, but it, it, you have to think, even if I wasn't getting paid, would I love doing this? Would I love doing this? And that's how you know you're in the right spot. 
but it's 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 practice doing everything you can like my body of work from music videos to commercials to documentaries to tv shows to features it's all been from like every every job i've taken something from it i've learned something from it like like crazy ex-girlfriend when i was doing i was like three four music videos in i think we had eight day episodes so i had to think about a new look a new music video look in in eight days or nine days you know i had to come up with something every you know times three every every episode so it was like but luckily i had done a hundred music videos so there was always something i could say hey remember that one time I was on the Smokey Robinson music video and they had talking biscuits. And I was like, yeah, Wait, look at see, you um, heard me. You gotta tell me all of that. <laughs> you have to tell us all of you just you said talking biscuits. You can't just walk past that time. We're not walking past that. I, I was I was gonna try to. But I'm trying to think what else was there was something else with the talking biscuits, because we had puppeteers with the biscuits. And wow. I can't remember what was accompanied the biscuits but uh it was you have to think about like what what did i do in that video you know where did i hide the puppeteer how did how did i like the biscuit you know stuff like that so i mean you just have to go back to you know how, how was it when i was working with russ carpenter on that early movie that he used a xenon light what can i do with a xenon light that i could do on this this music video and crazy ex-girlfriend so it's it's stuff like that that you build you build on and you build your library your internal library you just that's why don't turn down any work even if you're not getting paid shoot everything you can and you'll build you'll build your library So that's a good point don't turn down any job because you're going to be building your library um and you are drawing from those references all the time so when you're looking at um People coming up, maybe you have somebody that's working camera or you have somebody that's doing that's PAing or doing something. What kind of advice specifically would you give to black people? I mean, this is black crew call um, to <laughs> black people kind of coming up in the business and being more interested in cinematography and DP work. Um, put yourself out there, put yourself in the right places, um, network everywhere you can. You know, never know when you might meet somebody, a director, a producer, who's buying a coffee and you heard them say, hey, I really need this uh, PA. I can't find any PAs to go out to Rancho Cucamonga and do this you know, thing. Um, <laughs> always have, I mean, I don't know if people still carry business cards, but I still have business cards that I can say here, because maybe they, they don't want to pull out the phone and, and take down your cell number. You just say, I'm a PA. I'm a camera assistant. I'd love to work with you. Here's my here's my card. Um, but yeah, just always be always be networking. Put yourself in places like uh, Film Independent. Put yourself uh, mm -hmm. backstage. Always look at Backstage West. Um, any kind of functions, the union. Even if you're not in the union, they have open houses. Yeah. I'm in a I'm in a, a society called the American Society of Cinematographers. We have open houses that people can come to and meet cinematographers. We just had a thing in LA called Cine Gear where they should have been all weekend, like every day, oh, meeting yeah. people with their business card. Um, any kind of function that has film people, they have to go to. Uh, that's really good. That's solid advice. So you guys follow, I mean, rewind it, get write all of that down. <laughs> he gave some names for you, very specific things that you can do 
just to kind of be in the mix. Yeah. And network. So those are, that's excellent. So and, I'm and sure. Oh, go ahead. Oh, and also I just think about another thing. I'm also the co-chair of the ASC's uh, vision mentorship program. Is that right? I interviewed John Simmons. He was my first interview on this podcast. Johnny Simmons is one of my my mentors. Oh yeah, from way back. I used to camera assist for him oh. on rap videos. Oh, that's on, like, awesome! Here's a famous uh, music video. We're all in the same gang. Oh yeah, yeah. Johnny shot that. I was his camera assistant. Oh wow, that's so, so LA. All the great like quote unquote well, rappers in that. Yeah. If you, if I mean, Johnny Simmons is such a legend that. If you go into a, a room of filmmakers mm-hmm. and you say, who was mentored by Johnny Simmons? I would bet you 75% of the, the room raised their hand. Yeah. Johnny, he's, he's a legend. I mean, he's he's the head of the vision committee. Right. And he he's told me all one. about his inception and how he started it. It's amazing. And then when he started the uh, mentorship program, he asked me and uh, another woman, Patty, Patty Lee, to uh, co-chair this, this uh, mentorship program. And we're going on our fifth year. Oh, wow. And you can put this in for your viewers, but I mean, look on the ASC website and look up the Vision Mentorship Program and see if they qualify for all the the uh, the stats we have. Like you have to be, I think it's over 23. You have to be working professionally for five years. So it's not like a, a, a beginner's um, mentorship program because you're working with, you're going to start being mentored by ASC members, which there are only 400 in the world. Um, but feel free to tell them the ASC mentorship program. You can find that online and, uh, see if they can apply. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's great advice. I talk, I, I feel like Johnny Simmons has had a hand in so many people, especially as I interview people on this podcast and the vision committee so far reaching. I talked to Alexis Jackson, who was a, a DP last week, and she said the same thing, you know, the vision committee, the vision committee. So it's so awesome what the effect one person can have, especially in bringing black cinematographers in, you know, into the fold and helping with training, helping with mentorship. We know how important mentors are. Um, especially to us as a community. So that's just awesome. So just before we wrap up, I just wanted to kind of highlight that I consider this show to be an act of service to the Black community because um, we're exposing people to a position and behind the scenes and crafts that they might not know about. Um, And, you know, being just the, the, the gift of being able to talk to Black people that are doing the work, I think is huge because it's such a, you can follow somebody on Instagram um, and you can watch somebody's work, which is really important, but having the opportunity to actually talk to you, Todd, is really important, I think, um, to people who are interested in the profession. So I wondered for you um, why it was so important for you to give back to the community and come talk to people specifically about what you do. Well, I think this goes way back to my New Bedford, Massachusetts days playing basketball. I always had great coaches Mm -hmm. and they weren't getting paid. They were just doing it for free, you know, up till high school or college. But I mean, they were always helping. And then when I got to film school and after film school, I had people like Russell Carpenter and Johnny Simmons who were like, they're always there to help. Like I could call them anytime, day or night. Hey, Johnny, I have this problem with this light. What can I, what can I do? So it's, I, I wouldn't be where I am now if it wasn't for people helping me up. And it's, it's you know, 
a lot of times it is the African-American people that helped me out a lot when I was coming up because there weren't that many and you knew how to find them because there were so few of us. Um, But I was helped by so many people. I, I, I would, I don't even know where I would be without them. So I always try to, you know, help other people. And that's why I'm, the ASC mentorship program is so important to me, mm-hmm. you know, go, going on our fifth year. I mean, I love it so much because we're putting together, we're putting a, a mentee, a young cinematographer who, who's, you know, five years in the business or seven years in the business and matching them with a, a professional ASC high-end director of photography. And they love doing what we, what we're doing in the program. So I, I just love helping people. I mean, literally, I, I don't even know how many mentees I have at, at, at a time. If I have, <laughs> if I have 10, Johnny Simmons has 50, you know, cause, but it's, it's, we just love doing it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I love it. So just to close out, um, what shows are you kind of, I know as a cinematographer, you just have a different eye than the rest of us. You just see things differently. Things hit differently from us for, I mean, for you. So I'm wondering what are you watching now or what have you seen recently that as a cinematographer, you went, oh, wow, I've really, that's well done. Like, I really appreciate that work. Uh, okay. I hate to tell you this, <laughs> but I don't watch television. I watch television to watch sports and politics. That's wow. all I do. Wow. I mean, if, if you make me dig deep. No, don't last, don't no dig. I, I want to. Okay, you can I want to dig too. deep. Do you watch okay. film? Oh, I watch, I watch films all the time. Okay, well, tell me if I, I love but no, I, I I found one. I found one up here. I found a TV show. <laughs> um, I really liked the first two seasons, and I w- came to them late. Uh, HBO show called Euphoria. Oh yeah, yeah. I, the visuals and the storytelling were different from anything I'd ever seen, yeah. and that's what draws me in because there's so much network and streaming that I can't even. I can't watch, but yeah. this one was special. It, it just drew me in. The visuals were insane. Uh, the characters, how they told stories, flashbacks um, were amazing. Okay, so film. There hasn't, see, I always, whenever I start a film or, or start a TV show, I, I start doing my own internal research. Um, and, and I always go to my, my favorite directors of photography, um, so Gordon Willis, who shot The Godfather, mm-hmm. Conrad Hall, who shot um, Road to Perdition, oh. uh, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, amongst mm-hmm. others, and anything Roger Deakins done, has done. I, 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 I watch like one of those films mm-hmm. to get the ball rolling in my head, and that'll give me inspiration. I, I, they're, they're the top. They're like my Mount, Mount Rushmore of cinematographers. Okay. So I know I, I, I can't get there but they're inspirational to me. <laughs> I love it. Those are all awesome. So tell us just quickly before we close about the yeah. blackening. So I'm, I'm like, wait, but I want to hear about the blackening. We got to go, but I got to hear, just tell me what, like a, a one sentence, why you loved working on it. And then, um, yeah, give us the date for when it comes out. Cause soon. So the blackening opens June 16th, a Friday. Hopefully everybody see it that weekend. <laughs> um, uh, but it's a, it's a, horror comedy where the horror trope is normally in a horror film uh in a horror film who's the first person to die it's a black person what happens if everybody in the film in the blackening 
everybody is black. Who dies first? And how do they die? And why do they die? So it's a it's a great premise. We had a great time shooting it. It's uh, amazing with the, the director Tim Story was amazing in his uh, just translation of it. Um, and it, ho- hopefully you, you'll like the visuals because I had a great time shooting them. Um, yeah, and uh, please go see it June sixteenth. June sixteenth. All right, fam. You guys are gonna check it out. This is Kay with Black Crew Call. My guest has been Todd A. Dos Reese. We are so excited to be able to talk to him. He drops definitely some gems for you guys. I hope you had a piece of paper and a pen. You're probably going to need to rewind and write down some stuff um, because he gave you some great info. Um, But I want just to remind you guys, like I always say as we wrap, stay black, keep dreaming. Have a good one, fam. Special thank you to Kala for our theme music and for editing on this episode. Thank you.